Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Thank you for joining us today for Let's Get Moving. Today I'm speaking with clinical psychologist Dr. Liz Hale, and we are talking about keeping your health fears in check during COVID. And first of all, Dr. Liz, give us an idea. What are you seeing from the people that come to you every day? What is happening in their lives with COVID? Oh, my goodness. We're all turned upside down, right? You and I just talked before we went on, like, okay, I don't think I'm ever going to get used to Mm (laughs) COVID-19. I'm not going to get used to all these changes that we have, not being able to meet in person as often, not being able to go to school or work like we used to work. Everything is a bit different. We may not get used to that, but I suppose the more that we can learn to accept the changes without fighting against them, Maria, right? Because I noticed that whatever I resist persists, keeps going, keeps being difficult, But when I can just say, okay, I give, I give, this is my new norm. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to accept that these are my worries about it. I'm going to try to make some peace with it, and I'm going to move forward. Easier said than done, I realize. It's so true, but but you're right. I mean, like I say, I'll whine a little bit, and then I'm like, okay, i got to move on. This is my new reality, and this is just the way we're dealing with it. But I heard you say that just with you and me on the phone. Okay, i got to move on. <laughs> i got to move on. This is just the way it is. Um, talk for a minute. We want to focus today on health and overcoming, you know, fears of health uh, when it comes to health during COVID. And talk about, give us some of your ideas on that. Right. Well, you know, I'm so interested in the mind, right? As a psychologist, I'm interested in the brain and the mind. And what we know about the mind is that we have glitches. <laughs> we, you know, no, no joke, right? It's like I, I knew I, my brain had glitches, but we just need to know what they are so we can compensate and we can utilize our mind to the best of our abilities, especially during COVID. You know, the glitches that we have make it really hard to appreciate the things that are good, because we're almost programmed to notice what isn't good. Isn't that fascinating? It's so true. Yale students who've been accepted at Yale, you know, it'll show them with these cute little things as they're online and they're, they're looking uh, at their email and they're going to open it up to see if they got accepted to Yale. And they hear the song of the Bulldogs or something like that from Yale. And they just scream and they're so excited. And guess how long that excitement lasts? Only a month or two. Mm-hmm. And then these students at Yale are incredibly stressed and depressed and are anxious. They don't have any time to themselves. It's all about the grades. And uh, it's really become a problem academically across the globe of these freshmen who are coming in who really don't have the resiliency to, to do well or to even enjoy it. It's not even to do well. It's just to enjoy the moment of where they're at. We notice what isn't good. So the key then for you and me, is to see and savor the good. You know, they found that even the, the, re- the caregivers with AIDS, and now they're finding caregivers with Alzheimer's, they were happier when every day they could find one thing that was good. And it might have been that they savored a great cup of coffee. It might have been that they stepped outside just to watch two hummingbirds fly around their yard. Savoring the good, even amidst the bad. So it's not pushing down the negative, right? Because the negative is alive and well. We still have loved ones who are sick 
Everything is different. We're losing jobs left and right. Businesses are closing down. Things are not great. But when we can have the negative go side by side with the things that still are good, that we can still savor, we're going to have stronger, healthier immune systems even. That's what the studies show. Isn't that fascinating? Right. They go hand in hand, don't they? Yes. So we don't suppress. We don't pretend. We simply allow the positive to live alongside the negative. You know, this is a particularly stressful week. Uh, parents are worrying about how to send their kids back to school. Uh, college students are going to be headed back to school in a week. And, and boy, it's going to be tough in the next few weeks to really savor the positive. You bet. But isn't that, just, just to hear those words, going back to school. Kids in the Salt Lake School District, they would love to hear those words, going back to school. It's not the case for them and for other districts, Right. They're, doing, they're having to do homeschooling or online. They won't be going back to school. So just even hearing that, oh, my gosh, the privilege, I will never look at going back to school the same. <laughs> I don't think anyone right? will. <laughs> I, will so I get to be able to do that. Maybe it's every other day. Maybe it is every day. It depends on your school district and what your family has decided. But just think about the privilege of going back to school. I know. How exciting is that? So We're going to wear our face masks. We're going to smile. You know, there is something that's far more contagious than the virus. Have you heard of a social contagion? Mm -hmm. It's the spread of emotion from one person to another. So we can wear face masks, socially distance to prevent the spread of the physical virus, but emotional infection, it knows no boundaries and is not contained by distance. Thanks to social media, anyone can metaphorically sneeze on your brain from anywhere in the world. (laughs) (laughs) But the the positive contagion would be kindness. Kindness is more infectious than COVID. So we have a chance to go to school and be kind to our peers, be kind to our teachers, be kind to administrators, be appreciative of everybody's risk, that everyone's in the same boat. We can treat people well. And there's something interesting in our neuroscience and our research that shows the brain regions that get activated during rumination, right? This is terrible. Nothing's the same. I'll never get used to that. Guess when it gets really quiet? Hmm. When we practice a medication like loving kindness. Boy, we need that on social media. I've been watching some of my friends, and it, it frightens me, I have to say. Um, I've just had to turn it off at some point and just say... Too much negativity. That's a really great thing to do. Boy, I love these people, even if I don't agree with them, and so it's difficult. Mm-hmm. How does it feel just the opposite, though, Maria, when you see someone genuinely, authentically, and spontaneously being kind to you or someone else? It is so funny. It goes so far. It lifts you up. It warms it, your heart. It goes so far in just really changing your perspective and making you feel better, and it actually lasts quite a long time, probably it, longer than the negative. It does. It's so hope-inspiring, right? Kindness inspires me to be kind. When I see kindness, I want to be kind. I just get contaminated with those mental droplets of common humanity. Mm -hmm. So the more infected you get, the more infected you become. We're kind to others, not because it's right, but because it feels good. You don't have to think about it. You just do it because it's the only thing that makes sense in the moment. I, I also love to tell my clients that kindness kills Kindness kills our fears that people who don't look like us are dangerous. Kindness kills our worries that we're alone in this. Kindness kills our doubts that we can work together. So 
So let's go about, smile through our mask, and kill everyone we meet with kindness. <laughs> and hopefully they'll know we're sw- smiling, right? It's you know totally what, different I behind noticed, a mask. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I noticed it. I look for people's eyes and their <sighs> smile lines in their eyes. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yes. And I'm hoping people are seeing mine because I've got lots of lines for one in my eyes. I was going to say that about I me. But I hope they see that I am smiling. I hope that they know that. And I think people feel that energy. Those are the good lines to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think something else I really try and um, encourage is to be kind to your mind. You know, be kind to your mind. We have all kinds of worries and thoughts and fears going through, ruminating. Uh, and just be gentle instead of pushing them down. It's like I sat down with a nine-year-old girl this week, and she had some anxiety, and she felt it in her stomach, right, kind of a swirling purple butterfly is what she called it. And we've learned not to suppress it, not to wish it away, but just to like, oh, hello, hello, butterfly, there you are again. What are you here to teach me? Be kind to your mind. Whatever comes up for you, what's the lesson in it? What if we looked at depression that way? Instead of it being just a disease, what is my depression here to teach me? Am I needing some new boundaries? Do I need to make some changes? For this little girl, it's like, why do I have that anxiety? When do I have it? She had it a lot when her two brothers would play. And I think she was probably in charge of them because she would feared these two younger brothers that one of them was going to fall off the railing and crack open his head. Mm -hmm. So what we did, we were kind to her mind and we went to the worst case scenario. Let's say so-and-so falls and cracks open his head. Now what are we going to do? And she took me step by step about getting a big ace bandage and wrapping it around his head, having her parents drive him to the emergency room while she sat in the back with him talking to the doctors, getting the medication, getting these stitches, getting the treatment, doing follow-up. It was like when she was kind to her mind, instead of saying, no, 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 she said yes. It's like, okay, I'm going to take the worst-case scenario, take it all the way through to the end, and work backwards. And then it's not quite so bad. It's more manageable. <laughs> it is. I've just looked at the worst thing that can happen, and i figured out somewhat of a plan. That little girl sounds like me. <laughs> we can all, you know, she was so surprised. She kept saying, I would say something like, oh, yeah, I get it. She goes, you get it? And I said, of course I get it. <laughs> and then she knows Ben, and I said, and Ben gets it. Ben gets it? She, we're so surprised that we're just not all that different, right? There's a favorite mantra of mine, um, whether it's, Looking at my husband, Ben, or a client or friend, it's, and that is this mantra of just like me. If I listen long enough, I will see that people make sense. They're just like me, right? Wouldn't that just uh, fix all of the world's ills if we yes, saw everyone in that way? You're just like me. Just like me. You know, going back to those kids at Yale, uh, Maria, I think it's just so interesting about that adaptation we just, get, we just get so used to the good news, right? Mm-hmm. We got the job, we got the raise, we got the guy, we got the home, we got the acceptance letter, and we celebrate, but only briefly, and then life carries on. And then we want a new job, we want a new raise, we want a new guy, we want a new home. <laughs> it's, just harder, it's just harder to have that enjoyment last of more of those physical things. It's almost better if you had to choose between an experience like a vacation with your family or a new large screen TV 
we're better off going along with the experience. Right. Because it lasts a little bit longer. And the technology changes quickly, and that TV is not new very long. No, it is not. <laughs> Experiences have the good sense to go away, <laughs> to not stick around forever, leaving only that memory behind. But the material goods, they lose their sparkle. They become outdated. You're so right. So flip the switch. And just even today, look around your home. Look around your family. <laughs> what, what do you love? What have, we, what have we just taken for granted? What have we not noticed? It's like, oh, my gosh. I love how that plant sits in the corner right there. It just matches the wall so perfectly. I really like how that looks. It's like, oh, your spouse is like, oh, my goodness, I forgot. I forget how blue your eyes are. They're beautiful. Or I forget how pretty your smile is. We just take those things for granted. We've got to stop not noticing and pause to pay attention to the details. I was pausing. To take, you know, I love it. Take account, take a little bit of uh, account of my day and of the people around me and the things that I do love so much. And you, I love it. You know, starts with our receptionist when we walk in in the morning. Uh, what a pleasant person, always Isn't with a smile lovely. on her face. And you know what? I really love that. And she is what we call the emotional contagion, right? Right. She greets everyone. What's her first name? Wendy. Wendy, I'm sorry. Wendy treats everyone the same way. I kid you not. And she, it's just a breath of fresh air. That's an emotional contagion. And I think that then we go to our cubicles or I go to Studio 5 and we just feel a little <laughs> bit better having met Wendy, right? No doubt about it. Yep. It's so interesting, this happy people. Happy people tend to also be grateful people. You've probably heard that. It's true. Right? They mm-hmm. notice the blessings. And uh, they don't take too much for granted. They, um, they notice the parts of their home that they love. They notice the people in the home they love. They notice that the simple ability to walk from home to work every day they love. They pause and they pay attention to the, to the details. And it's not that negativity is not there. Negativity is inevitable. Mm-hmm. Don't ignore them. She takes a lot of them. negative calls just for her, you know, for example. Oh, my goodness. That's right. She <laughs> would, wouldn't she? Yes. She gets all of them. But our, our goal is not to suppress, ignore, but learn from them, accept them as a part of our life. Yeah, you know, this girl, this nine-year-old said to me, she's talking about that anxiety, that butterfly, that purple swirling in her belly. She said to me, so what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And I said, oh, my goodness, what's right with you? What's right with you? This butterfly, this anxiety in your belly, what's that telling, what's that telling you about you? And she thought for a minute and she said, well, I guess it's telling me that I, I, I really love my brothers. It's like, oh, my gosh, what a right. beautiful thing. What a <laughs> big, beautiful sister you are to love these two younger brothers. Mm-hmm. What else does it tell you? Well, it tells me that I'm growing up. I'm almost 10 and I'm getting older and I'm getting more responsible. I mean, boy, out of the mouth of a babe, I tell right. she was something else, being able to put to words the worry. Which is an and incredible I, I thing to do. There are adults who can't do that, Liz. <laughs> well, sometimes we do say that, don't we? It's like, what's wrong with me? I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm anxious. Let's turn it around. What's right about this? What if this depression, this anxiety were teaching me or my anger, what is it teaching me about me? What, what changes might I need to make right now? What do I need to look at? So, you know, again, it's all about being kind to your mind. Notice, notice what's going on. Let's make peace with it. 
Let's have some self-compassion, be a better friend to ourselves, accept ourselves, and be okay with who we are. You know, it's so fascinating about um, the stories that we tell ourselves. I'm really interested about those. Even the story I tell myself that I have a great deal of support, that is actually more effective than the actual support I have. So the story I tell myself about my social support, Maria, is Mm -hmm. more effective to me than who is actually there. I think that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So explain how that works. The stories we create in our mind. What did you say? Yeah, explain how that works for you. How do you do that? Well, well, again, I think uh, it's amazing the the stories that we say. There's a difference between reality and fantasy, and I think so much of where we live is in our fantasy. It's in our minds. A lot of marriage and our marriage problems is in our heads. It's the it's the things that we really don't see clearly. Right? Mm-hmm. We keep repeating the mistakes again and again instead of really seeing and hearing clearly some other one's perspective. I'm convinced that I know what's going on, and I could be, well, usually I'm very wrong when I live inside myself. I do that with my own stories. But again, what I perceive is probably the bigger gift than what is actually there. Mm -hmm. That's just the good news. So the more you tell yourself, I am so blessed, I have anybody I could turn to. There are so many people I could turn to from friends, family, coworkers, I am never going to be alone. I'm always going to have just the right person to turn to. So watch what you say to yourself. You're not pretending, but you are really also emphasizing the good that is there. So we talked about happy people are grateful people. Happy people are also helpful to others. When we do kind acts for others, there seems to be this change in this particular antiviral gene expression in the blood. I know this study is really early, it's preliminary, but it looks like helping others leads to a healthier immune response. And this study has just been going on since COVID when we actually reach out and we're there for other people. It goes back to that kindness. Mm -hmm. But um, the stories we tell ourselves, like I have a family member who will call herself a hypochondriac, right? She's highly alert to physical pains and a bump or a lump when, when there shouldn't be a bump or a lump. And um, she, I love that she calls herself that because, again, there is that self-acceptance. I know I tend to do this. I know I feel something's wrong, and I like to go to the doctor. I fear that I might have MS or ALS. And she's found, I said, you know what, what works for you on this? Um, recently, she felt like she had a brain tumor. So oh, she dear. went and got an MRI. The doctor said, you don't have a brain tumor. But what we did see is a degenerative disc in the back of your neck. Hmm. So she is very attuned to her body. She knew something wasn't right while it wasn't a brain tumor, which we were grateful for. She does have this disc problem that she'll have to attend to. And she'll have to work with probably for the rest of her life. So paying attention to your body, that's powerful. She's probably one of the more intuitive women that I know in my family. Um, And what's helped her immensely is being able to have family that will say things like her husband, for instance, said, you know what, let's say it is a brain tumor, let's say it's MS, ALS, whatever it is at the moment. He goes, I'm I'm still going to be right here, no matter what it is. Uh, I'm going to be here for you. We're going to do this together. you got to love that. She's grateful that no one in the family has tried to talk her out of it. Instead, what do we say? Well, if it's MS, now what? If we take the worst-case scenario, let's look backwards. What are we going to do with MS or ALS? 
you're worried about not being able to work, we're going to pass the hat. All of us are going to contribute. We'll help you financially. You won't be alone. So go through the worst-case scenario, accept what is, make peace with it, say, then what am I going to do, and work backwards and live life. I, this, this last, just to end here, I, I love this chapter I read from this author. He was talking about his life work and his family and his mission and his goals in life and what he'd accomplished. And then at the, the very last statement he said in this chapter is the statement, and so I tell myself my life. <laughs> I thought that was so rich. He realizes that this is my story of my life story. And we all have it. We all have a story of our actual life story. We do. And don't forget to go out today and savor the good things. That's right. My experience is what I agree to attend to. Yeah. It's been a pleasure, Maria. It's been a pleasure. Thanks always for your great advice, Dr. Liz. Yes, my best to you. Take care, my friend. You too. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.